Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. Let's talk about timing the stock market. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, or the TFWP, as it's called by people in the know. Hey, with me today from San Diego, Nick Appel. Nick, how you doing? David Hagen, everything is good over here. How are you? Good, good. We're on a Zoom call. I'm seeing you looking good, looking good, my man. Thank you very much. You too. Hey, and we got Brian Reed coming to us from Venice, California, dropping on in. Brian, how are you? David, I'm doing well, but I'm not nearly as much of a sly fox as you are with that silver hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what color your hair is. Maybe you don't even got no hair. You got a big hat on there. This is true. Still a lot younger than me. I'm sure you're doing just fine. Just fine. <laughs> so today I want to talk about timing the stock market, buying stocks, selling stocks, moving in and out of stocks. Is that a great idea? No. Okay, that's our podcast for this week. I hope you everybody, <laughs> hope you all enjoyed the show. Now let's talk about that a little bit more. The reason that I wanted to talk about it this week was I saw recently a column in the Los Angeles Times by Liz Weston, and many of you might know, she's a pretty well-known personal finance guru. She writes a column. She's got a couple of websites, and she answered a question by a reader about, hey, how should I time the stock market? What are some things that I should know? And of course, she she talked it down because... It, it creates a lot of risk. People shouldn't be buying and selling a lot of stocks in and out. Now, I know, Nick, you buy and sell stocks a lot, right? Occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you go a little bit against the, the conventional wisdom that we have here, and, and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. I, 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 I would definitely say I do. I, I definitely keep a majority a portion of my portfolio long, but I, I do think it's okay, you know, 10 20%, you know, day trading. Right. And I look at it a different way. I'm a little older than you are. And I look at it um, in, in a completely different way. And that's okay, too. So my wife, who's a financial planner, always gets a request for a stock tip. We'd be sitting on a ski lift and she'll say, oh, I'm a financial planner. And the person will go, oh, oh, can you give me, can you give me a tip? What's What's something that I should buy? And her response is always the same. You know, one, I don't give out financial advice. And, and two, I'm more of a low, slow grow, um, you know, uh, EFT or ETF kind of a person. But people think that way, you know, and, and you hear these stories. Did you guys remember the story from, I don't know, I think it was 1978. There was someone... Um, married to a, a, a governor from the South, and her name was Hillary Clinton. And she, all of a sudden, she was a lawyer, but she started investing in cattle futures. And she turned uh, $1,000 
into $100,000 in a little bit over a year. And I think people looked into that. They're wondering if she had some kind of, you know, enhanced information. And I, I, I guess it, it came out that it was just what a break and just good luck on her part, right? But I think I'm doing. I think I'm doing the wrong thing, Dave. <laughs> I don't even know what cattle futures might involve, but you hear these kind of stories. It's like when you go to Vegas. Everybody tells you when they win, but they never tell you when they lose. And guess what? The losing happens a lot more than the winning, you know? If you look at your account, your stock account, and you see a lot of buying and selling, probably you're trying to time the market, probably not the best idea. But I fall victim to this as well. I recently saw that Bitcoin had doubled. And I thought back to just a couple of months ago when someone named Nick Appel said to me, Dave, you ought to put some money into Bitcoin. Now, I think the reason that you were saying that was because Elon Musk was tweeting about it. And these days, whenever Elon Musk tends to tweet about something, it seems to push the stock price up. But do you remember that conversation, Nick? Dave, you know, I just have this intuition and I just want to make you money. And, you know, I'm, I'm here for you, bud. I appreciate that, but I didn't invest in Bitcoin, and Brian knows why, because a couple of years ago, we talked about Bitcoin on the show, and I said, look, I don't get it, I don't understand it, and I don't invest in what I don't understand. But when I found out that it did double, then it had doubled quickly, I felt kind of bad. I said, oh my God, Nick told me that this was something that could happen. I missed out on a great opportunity to double my money. And then I think, wow, 5,000 would be 10,000. But you know what? If I had a sold a bunch of stuff, 100,000 would be 200,000. And your mind just keeps extrapolating from there. And you go, oh, man, I feel so bad. I, I missed out. And this is the problem. And I have to be careful about it as well. This is the problem. This is what built Vegas. Something for nothing. The quick money. Everyone wants the stock tip. No one wants to do it the, the conservative established way. And this is part of the problem that I think that, that we have. You know, I'm, I am a proponent of, and, and the TFWP is a proponent of, the, the low, slow, grow approach. And I, I don't know where I saw that, or maybe I even came up with it. The low, slow, grow approach put the money in an, in an ETF, let it grow. Don't turn around. Don't look back. Don't spend a lot of time buying and selling. Don't touch it. Just let it grow. Look at it, check in on it periodically, but don't spend too much time moving in and out of it. Now I know, especially for the young guys like you, Nick, you, you study this, you follow this, you get a thrill out of moving in and out of this stuff, huh? I do. I mean, I get the thrill, like Brian gets the thrill out of, you know, those scratcher cards. I love this. <laughs> He's not, not going to let you do your that cards. <laughs> not scratcher cards. You got to buy the actual lottery ticket. Uh -oh. 
but yeah, I, 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 I had this discussion. That's entertainment, not finance. Right. It's part of the entertainment portion <laughs> of the spending plan. It's not, it's not part of the, the investment. Portion. And yet remember when we talked about that, there's a large segment of Americans out there that think that lottery cards is a, is a legitimate investment approach. Kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, that's not such a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, when the Powerball or the Mega Millions or whatever was just at $999 million, I spent 10 bucks for entertainment purposes. But, you know, I, I was okay with losing the money. And I think when anyone, you know, gambles or bets, they should, you know, only they should gamble responsibly and not gamble more than they really should. But yeah. Nick, when did you buy the ticket? Did you did you buy those 10 tickets? 10 minutes before the drawing or the day of the drawing, or did you buy it immediately after the previous drawing? So you had two I, full days of those you know, 10 tickets. You know what? I, I must concede this point. I don't, I don't think it was the day after, but I think it was the day after that to where I had a whole day of anticipation. And I was like, come on, days. baby, come on, baby. Let's, let's go. You could have had two days. I'm just saying, let's maximize our efforts here. Sorry, David, back to you. I, you know, I, I've bought, I've bought tickets twice and, you know, I, I even told the parking attendant at the building, I said, that's right. Me, Dave Hagen, I'm winning tonight. And you know what, when I do, I'm going to give you 10% of my winnings. And so they were all excited and da, 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 and I thought this would be great. What a great story and what a great thing to do. And when you don't get the, even the first number you go, this is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you only buy one. You buy $1. That's what I kept doing. Yeah. One it's ticket. A, cheap entertainment. We talked about that. Yeah. If fate wants me to have it, fate will, you know, let me have it. You know, this, this whole idea of the, the low, slow grow. And I, I really want to get that point across to, to all of our listeners. It's not something that, that I came up with. Um, you know, I mean, this is something that, that Warren Buffett talked about. We all know Buffett. He's, he's one of our, one of our faves here. In fact, if you go on the, uh, the TFWP website, there's a picture of, uh, myself and Warren Buffett, or at least a cardboard cutout of Warren Buffett. And, uh, you, you guys know, they, they call him the Oracle of Omaha. He's considered one of the best investors of all time. And he's a big proponent of value investing. So he's buying and selling stuff. He's looking at the value of stuff. He's making a, a quality decision and he devotes his life to this. It's brought him fame. It's brought him money. It's made him one of the 10 richest people in the world. But a couple of years ago at one of his shareholder meetings, people were asking him about events that affected the value of investments over the past year. And he said this. The single best thing you could have done on March 11th, 1942, when I bought my first stock, was just buy an index fund and never look at headlines or think about the stock. And someone said, wow, if you did that, if you did that with $10,000 and put it in such a fund, what do you think that $10,000 would be worth now, guys? Any guess? 17.7 million. Good guess. Good guess. You're close. Not Brian, any guesses? <laughs> um, all I'm thinking of is 
uh, Mike Myers and <laughs> one million dollars. <laughs> one million dollars. You know, all you needed to say, Brian, was anything over seventeen point one, and you know, I would have gone, "Oh, that's oh, close." That's true, I would have closer. <laughs> oh, that's 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 really that's that's a little bit better than. than I'm going to say Nick's response plus one dollar. <laughs> one dollar, ten thousand dollars, put in an index fund, would now be worth fifty-one million dollars wow think about that for having no specific stock expertise not having to follow the headlines not having to be on vacation and check your phone about looking at the value of the stock not following the the, the storylines not worrying about amc or gamestop or long or short just put ten thousand dollars back then and it's worth 51 million. And Warren Buffett, who made his business out of picking stocks, says, you could have done better than me, basically, if you just had to put some money in. I, I like to think of it as the set it and forget it strategy. Where'd we come up with that term, set it and forget it? Do you guys remember? I don't. There was a guy on TV that had a, a whole bunch of uh, household items. Um, and he had a oh, Ronco Ronco. Exactly. And, uh, the guy's name was, was it Popeil? Something like that, but it was Ronco and they had these, these products and they had like a little, uh, countertop oven and they had a, um, a thing that would like peel a potato, the rotato and all these different products, even, even hairspray that you could spray on the back of your hair, if you back your head, if your, if your hair is going away like they had dark hairspray or paint and you could like spray it, you know, and it would like fill in on, on the bald spot. But he used to say with his oven, just set it and forget it. And I think that that applies to investing, especially people that are on the younger side of things because they have so many years ahead of them. You know, investing is about picking a, a, a reasonable stock or fund it's about putting money in on a, on a regular basis, but it's also about time. And people that are younger have more time, certainly more time than, than we do, guys. Although Nick's got a little more time than the rest of us, right, Nick? I sure hope so, Dave. No, <laughs> that's brutal. That's brutal. I tried to sling one in on me, and he came back with a jujitsu zinger. <laughs> one, two. I like it. I like it. The Kung like, Fu is strong in this one. But going back to this whole idea of timing the market, if you try and time the market, you're going to lose money. Like somebody going to Vegas, you may win for a while, but ultimately you're going to lose money unless you're really, really informed, unless you're really, really lucky, lucky you're going to usually lose that money. I can't tell you how many people I've consulted with over the years that did well for a lot of years and then, you know, basically got wiped out. So if someone's telling you that they're, they're timing the market, chances are they're not going to do as well. And certainly they won't do as well as if you just put some money in a fund, pick a fund and set it and forget it. Not very exciting though, huh, guys? You know, I think that's the smart play. I, and Nick, you know, I think you're doing it right. And maybe not 20%. It, I would say, you know, for the average investor, all right, go long-term on 90% and then 
have a little fun with that other 10%. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I would say 20% is a little bit riskier, but at least 10% because to me, at least, I'm, I'm sure others feel the same way, just setting it and forgetting it, you know, it can be a little complacent. And I, I think, you know, having a little fun with 10% of your money, if you lose it, you know, you had your fun, but at least uh, it gets your mojo going. No, I, I, I agree. As you get older, most experts will say a smaller and smaller percentage of your investment portfolio should be in securities and a smaller and smaller portion should be in securities that have significant risk. So people getting ready to retire shouldn't be in stocks like, dare I say, Tesla, even though Game it's stock. exciting <laughs> as hell, <laughs> GameStop, you know, trying to trying to run up GameStop. Um, so the investments should get more conservative with time. But um, Nick is spending a lot of time learning about it, being well informed. It's part hobby, it's part investment. And that's, that's cool. I, I think that that's cool. And I like it when he comes here with the with that perspective, because I think it gives us balance in, in what we do. Hey, Dave, you'll never guess what I just found. Look at this picture of me at my mom's desk when I was 13 years old in Beverly Hills trading stock. I can't believe it. Look at that. A couple things come to mind. One, um, you didn't have a beard back then. <laughs> I, I don't think I could have grown one if I wanted to, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, you're sitting at a one of these fully large screen desktop uh, computers at the big old box that you're. Yeah, that's uh, like a cathode ray tube monitor. It, it, it's so funny how the times have changed. I mean, shoot, that must have been like 17 years ago, and now I'm talking to you guys with the same performance as that computer on my phone. Isn't it's that incredible? It's amazing. You know, I remember um, in the early years, if we had a, um, an issue of stock that we were looking at, we would run downstairs to where there was a brokerage and they had a little door that you could open if you were a customer and there was a Quotron machine and you could type in the symbol of the stock and see what it was doing that particular day. And that's, that's how we used to get our information. And if you wanted to buy some stock, you had to call the, the broker or you had to go down and see the broker and say, get me a hundred shares of IBM at this price. And they go, okay. And she'd call you back later in the day and go, we got you your shares of IBM. This is so great. And you go, oh yeah, that's incredible. And you would pay a fee for doing that. I forget what it was, 17 bucks, 35 bucks. I mean, it depended upon how many shares you were moving, but that's the way we used to do it. And then, and then I saw this cool dude and he had a device that he wore on his belt, looked like a pager and he could get real time quotes for the stock on this little pager device. And I said, well, that is so cool. And he drove a nice car and it's like, Ooh, I want to be like that guy. Now a pager, does anyone have a pager? Does anyone have a machine that looks like a pager that you have stock quotes? It's, it's all on your phone. It's crazy what's what's available out there. And you can buy and sell from your phone, right? I mean, you do, Nick, yeah, right? I do. And, and yeah. Dave, you know, something I am, Brian, like what I've thought is really interesting is how in this day and age with no fees attached to buying and selling, how has that changed to market to people holding long term? 
Well, exactly. One of the reasons that you would buy and hold would be you didn't want to incur a lot of fees. Now, if there's there's no fee to ne- execute a trade, a lot of this stuff happens electronically. There's no runner that runs to the pit at the stock exchange to buy you your stock. It just happens automatically in the computer somewhere. And if people can buy and sell and move in and out at no cost, that means that the market's going to be more fluid. And volatile. And volatile for sure. I think you hit that right on the point. The the ups and downs, it seems to me, are much more extreme now that people are are being able to buy and sell on their on their desktop, laptop, iPad, phone. And some of these some of these platforms are getting easier and easier. I mean, it used to be that um, what Schwab and and some of the others that were considered a little more leading edge put together this software that you could load into your phone. But now there's now there's Robinhood, and you use Robinhood, right, Nick? I've I've used Robinhood, Dave. So what's that experience like? I heard it's like more bells and whistles and almost video game esque. Would you agree with uh, that, or you think that's just uh, sour apples? It's definitely video game esque. I'm I'm very. Uh, I don't want to be too tough on them based on everything that's occurred in the past couple of weeks with them. So I'll just leave it at that, Dave. Are you are you referencing the the AMC uh, GameStop kind of stuff? I am, Dave. I okay. am. Okay, but at the <laughs> At the end of the day, I mean, people may be critical of that platform because it's bells and whistles and confetti and whatever else it does, but it got a lot of people into the market. It got a lot of people thinking about investing and and before that, you know, the need to save, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, maybe it hasn't been negative. Maybe it's been more positive than anything else. Sure. You know, you know, I was thinking about, um, people learning to invest. And it, it reminded me of um, my son one time who was quite young. And he said, Dad, I want to invest in, in uh, I think it was Lytton. And I said, well, why? You know, Lytton's like a, a, a post-war uh, defense stock. And I said, well, son, why would you want to invest in, in Lytton? And he said, well, you know, the president just shot off like 60 missiles at this other company, at this other country, and the country's going to have to buy missiles and Lytton makes the missiles. <laughs> and I said, wow, that, that's pretty big thinking. I, I wouldn't ever think about that. Sounds and logical. <laughs> I know, doesn't it? Almost too logical. And, and sure enough, and sure enough, you know, Lytton went up. So those are the kinds of things, basic kinds of things that I hope TFWP people think about and and opportunities that people look for um, in the the part of their portfolio where they would do these additional kind of plays while still having the majority of their their money in the low slow grow kind of mode. Any uh, closing thoughts, either of you guys? Go ahead, Brian. I would say that again. 90% long term i don't know 5% riskier and keep that other 5 in case your first 5% go south and and one and a $1 lottery ticket purchased the minute <laughs> after the previous lottery draw 
happened. You got to maximize the time period. <laughs> right, right. And the actual mix of your portfolio should depend upon your own, you know, your your own life plan, your own. Um, yeah, and where you are, like you said, with your age, thoughts about what you want to do, and and maybe even you know, in consultation with a um, you know financial planner. Nick, closing thoughts. Just a reminder, this is not financial advice. The roundtable are not financial advisors, but put 90% and forget it, or sorry, set, set it, it and forget, and forget it. it. Yeah, Set it and forget it. Sorry, Dave, it's not in my curriculum. I'm trying to learn. And then <laughs> put the other 10% with Elon. Do not bet against Elon. <laughs> Elon's been pretty good of late. Pretty good of late. You know, the funny thing was, though, last week, you know, Elon reported good stock performance or company performance, as did Apple, and both of their stocks went down. I'm, I well, guess you could say the stock went up, leading to the release of the information. But the other the other way to look at that is you never know for sure how these stocks are going to um, respond, and you don't know who's buying and selling or manipulating. You know, trying to run the price up or down. And, and Dave. Yeah. And Dave, you never know when Redditors are going to try and take down hedge funds. So, so true. May, may, maybe the news was not on Apple and Elon. It was on other stocks. So true. So true. But that's why I like the low, slow grow. Your exposure to those kinds of things is, is minimal. Just something to think about, all you people in TFWP land. This is Dave Hagan. And you are listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right. So normally we listen to uh, or answer some emails here, but get a load of this, everybody. While the, the engineer is paying the middle band, Brian and, and Nick and I are going back and forth. And apparently there's there's a term for stocks that uh, we're not used to, to using. And that, that term is stonk. Stonks. Stonk. stonk. What's a stonk, Nick? Uh, <laughs> oh, God, I, I'm going to sound so young. Um, a stonk is a, uh, a meme that basically refers to a company, who, a publicly traded company whose stock does not cease to increase in value. I like it. Those are the kind of stocks I like to watch. Look so at GameStop. Apple, look at AMC. Look. <laughs> what, all right. So Apple would be an example of that. Would Apple be a stonk? Uh, I mean, Apple keeps on going up. I don't think it goes up fast enough to be a stonk. No. Um, again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just a young, broke law school student who's graduating soon. soon and um, I just repeat what I see on the internet. Well, we're not, we're not giving investment advice, but we're, we are, we are talking about, you know, uh, proper nomenclature 
We're talking about being sufficiently financially woke. We're talking about knowing <laughs> the latest and greatest, right? David, you... now this is fun, guys. Now this is fun. <laughs> you did just say woke. <laughs> yeah, he did just say woke. I, I was very, I was very uh, shooketh by uh, such a term. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Back to business. I heard St stick to emails, Dave. Stick yeah, to someone's emails. got an email for me. Who's got that, Brian? I do. I've got that. This is from um, a gentleman named Scott, and he says, Dave. I'm 55, single, and both of my kids are out of the house and graduated from college. I own my home, but I'm still making some payments on the mortgage. I pretty much funded what I believe I need for retirement. I have a car that's five years old, but it's paid for. I love the car. I recently got a bonus of 20000 from work. I'm trying to decide what to do with it. I suppose I could use the money as a down payment on a new car. I suppose I could also use it to pay down the mortgage. But I would also like to reward myself and go on a nice trip soon when COVID clears. Any advice? Thanks, Scott. Ooh, Scott, there's a lot you could do here. Congratulations on a nice $20,000 bone from work. Those are hard to, to come by. Good for you. Um, I suppose you could you could play with or, you know, enjoy the money. I mean, that's what I would be. That would be my first inclination. That wouldn't be necessarily the right inclination, but I, that would be my first inclination. Um, enjoy the money, take a trip, or you could spread it around over enjoyment, investment, or something else, but now you start to dilute the, the power of that money. And, and let's be honest, you know, 20,000 is only 10 after tax. So you're talking about a smaller amount of money. I think what I would do would be to put the money in the bank and, and let the interest start to work. I mean, you're 55. Wasn't he 55, Brian? Correct. Yeah, 55. I mean, by the time you retire, a little bit after you retire, 20 years has gone by or at least 15 years. So you've had an opportunity to make that double twice. So you've got two seven-year loops getting 10%. That money would double theoretically twice in the next 15 years so that then it's worth 80,000 bucks. And that's something to think about. That's serious money. You could do something very serious with that. So I don't know. I think that, that that's what I would think about doing. Or how about this? Start a donor advised fund, a DAF. And what you do is you put the money in a, in a segregated account. You part with the money forever. You invest it and you can make distri distributions from it um, to 501c3 or basically charities. And so that money, if you were able to get 10%, would mean that you could give away about $2,000 a year to a charity of your choice forever. That's something to think about. 2000 a year forever, assuming that you're getting 10%, some years less, some years more. And your kids could do that when you're gone. You'd have to have a conversation where you sit down with your kids and say, look, I put some money in a fund and every year it spins off this money. And every year I pick the same or a different charity. Wow. Talk about a, a legacy. And if you don't need to live on that money, and you said you don't need to live on it or retire it, or retire on it, 
it might be nice to think about creating some kind of a, a legacy. And you guys, we haven't talked about creating a legacy. We haven't talked about leaving money to a next generation. I mean, we really haven't gotten to that point yet. But this letter and the and my answer starts to lead us towards some of those topics. Wouldn't that be cool to be able to do every year have money and and it might be that you would get so addicted to doing these kinds of good things that you would put more and more money in there over time or it might be that some years you don't uh, give away the money and it sits in there and, and continues to grow and what a very cool thing to have to think about giving money to a charity every single year for the rest of your life and for that matter the life of your kids now you're parting with the money forever, but you're also giving it away over the, the long term. I don't know, something to think about. Brian, what would you tell him? Go on a cruise, have a party. Go on a cruise, have a party. Um, I would say that I would like him to do a slow long-term investment with it. I think that's 55 Another 15 years of working, I think that's the best way to go. But Dave, can you explain the math that you just did on the the $20,000 bonus from work? I think I missed a step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, we might have got confused when I said, hey, 20 is only 10. That that was my, my snide, um, cynical comment about tax rates from the United States government and the state of California. Um, it, it, it wouldn't really be a, a full 10. It would be you know, something greater than that, because the tax wouldn't be a full 50% chances, chances are, but the 20 to the 40 and the 40 to the 80, that was just a point uh, or an opportunity to make a comment about compounding interest. Remember Einstein called that the, you know, one of the miracles or one of the wonders of the world. And when that, when that compounds 20 does become 40 and 40 does become 80 in 15 short years, if, someone's able to get 10% on their investment. And remember, if you simply invest in an S&P fund, chances are you're going to get that return over a long period of time. So yeah, it might not be a full 20. It might be 15.5, depending upon uh, the tax bracket that, that everybody's in. Gotcha. Um, but the point is it'll double and then it'll double again. And that's when it starts to get to be, you know, serious, serious money in, in my book. Not that I would sneeze at 20 grand. So if either you guys want to uh, flip me over a couple of, you know, 20 grand, I'll be, I would be good with that. Dave, Dave, just put it all in stonks. We don't yeah. got to worry about taxes. <laughs> we don't have to worry about taxes. Let's just go on a cruise, put it in stonks. We make money, put it in spy. We're good to go. I like it. Maybe Nick's going to have a new nickname here on the show. He will Stonks. be referred to as the Stonkster. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that that's a wrap. That's all the time we got. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Nick, for being here. A really interesting podcast this week. Good times, you guys. Got it, Dave. All right. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. 
If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.